0: They initially targeted evil, but quickly spread to anything the King Priest feared, which was everything. Welcome to another Dragonlance Saga episode. My name is Adam, and today we're going to talk about the Knights of the Divine Hammer. I'd like to take a moment and thank the members of this channel, and invite you to consider becoming a member by visiting the link in the description below. You can even pick up Dragonlance Gaming materials using my affiliate links. I'm referencing the King Priest trilogy, the Knightly Orders of Anselon Web Enhancement Knights of the Divine Hammer, and the Legends of the Twins sourcebook for this information. If I leave anything out or misspeak, please leave a comment below. As with all knighthoods in Dragonlance, the knights of the Divine Hammer were formed based on a vision. But this wasn't a clear vision of a god presenting themselves to a mortal with a specific edict, or the honoring of a fallen soldier as in other knighthoods. But rather, in 40 Prae a peasant-turned-bandit-turned-protector named Cathan Mar Severin had a vision of a burning hammer falling toward the nation of Istar. He shared this vision with Beldinas Pilofiro, the new king-priest, also known as the Lightbringer, for Cathan helped him find the Myceram, the ancient crown of power the king-priest wore. This new king-priest was a former monk and religious fanatic. He refuted the doctrine of balance after several assassination attempts on his life when coming into power. You know, the law of balance that is integral to Dragonlance's a setting. This religious zealot interpreted the vision as a sign from Paladine. I doubt anyone could have foreseen the truth behind the vision at the time, as the bringer would be the cause of the cataclysm, and he was brand new to the job. The king-priest interpreted this burning hammer to be a sign from Paladine that he should eradicate all evil, and that Istar should have a knighthood dedicated to that end. After resurrecting Cathan, he appointed him the first knight of the divine hammer. I can't imagine anyone other than those serving the gods of evil, seeing this new knighthood, as anything more imposing than the Knights of Salamnia, save for their sole focus being to protect the Holy Empire of Istar and execute the King Priest's will, which is what they did. The Order held near total immunity from any legal claims within the Empire. The First Grand Marshal, Cathin's former bandit lord turned Holy Soldier, only reported to the King Priest himself. As the order eliminated evil and eased suffering in this plague-ridden era of Ishtar, members would flock to its ranks, many of them never having set eyes on the capital. Even some Salamnic knights abandoned their order to join the king-priests. The Knights of the Divine Hammer even had seniority and control over the Skatas, the empire's military. As with any organization of good, it will inevitably fall to bureaucracy and evil, We see this in our own world, and as that is where the various authors come from, we see it in this fictional one as well. It's never enough to eradicate evil when evil's population is reduced. You need to continue finding shadows, be they caused from friend or foe, and that is exactly what the king-priest did. If you did not agree with his interpretation of good, you were by default evil. If you believed in neutrality, seeing as the king-priest forsook the doctrine of balance, you were by default evil, and his order of holy knights executed his will with glee. You can't help but find parallels in socio-religious and political parties sharing this very narrow-minded, self-serving, and truly ignorant approach to life even today. In 32 pre the king-priest declared Shinarians to be heretics for hoarding wealth, as all religious institutions do, by the way. Three years later, it was the Holy Order of Syrian which was cast out for their hedonistic ways. Eventually, it was to worship only good gods, or you're branded as evil and will be burned at the stake. Why did the people of Istar go along with it? Well, as long as you're taken care of and atrocities aren't happening to you, people simply go along. They make justifications or ignore reality. Again, very true to our world. This twisting of logic and genocide would continue for a decade, largely ignored by the population until the Lost Battles. The Lost Battles would prove to be a pivotal turning point in the knighthood, as most of the knights died in the war against the Orders of High Sorcery. Cathan would replace Tavar as the Grand Marshal, but in turn would be replaced by Lord Olin Silverhaft in 20, pray Olin, a former knight of Salamnia, would do his best to rebuild the knighthood, but at this point, imperial skadas, lesser noblemen children, and mercenaries trying to make a name for themselves would swell their ranks, and ultimately led to an even more ignoble order, if you can imagine it. By his death in Nine Precataclius, Cathan's former squire Tithian became the Grand Marshal, and he was forced to fight Ishtar politics which proved to be far too ingrained in the Holy Empire. Then... Ishtar and the King Priest's acts of evil called destruction down upon Kryn, sundering both Ancelon and Toledas. The Law of Balance cannot be ignored, and the Cataclysm was the result. Like the Knights of Slamnia after them, the Knights of the Divine Hammer would be hunted by the surviving population for causing the Cataclysm, and their order would be wiped from Kryn. It is poetic justice and bitter irony that the vision of destruction that formed this holy order would be the very form of destruction to it. The King Priest's beliefs are a parable that I believe we can all learn from. It's okay to believe whatever you want, but when you start exercising your beliefs on others, you will inevitably become a victim of said beliefs. The Knights of the Divine Hammer were fervent believers in the King Priest's vision of a righteous world without evil. They were led by their grand marshal, and they in turn led the imperial military. An imperial kosa, or company, consisted of four enas. A squadron consisted of three hundred skatas with a contingent of knights and clerics. The bifras, or regiments, were composed of five menibas, with the istar division, or droma, being made up of six bifras. Typically, the first officer, or knight banneret, of the order would command a dozen knights and thirty skatas. A knight-commander leads six knights' banneret and can requisition a further two hundred scatas. They would also instruct squires and lesser knights in the use of arms. A knight-marshal leads four knights' commander and is granted authority over a city. Over them are the senior marshal, who defends a province, then ultimately the grand-marshal or lord-marshal, who head the order itself. While the knights themselves are forced to exercise chastity and obedience to their leadership, they're granted exquisite equipment and near total authority in the Holy Empire. Personally, I would question anyone willing to give up personal autonomy for religious authority, but I seem to be in the minority, as that is what religious followers do on the regular in our world. And that is all I have to say about Knights of the Divine Hammer. Do you think they ever truly had good intentions? Do you see any relation to real-world groups? And finally, would you run a character through a morality-based campaign? Leave a comment below. I'd like to take a moment and remind you to subscribe to this YouTube channel, ring the bell to get notified about upcoming videos, and click the Like button. This all goes to help other Dragonlance fans learn about this channel and its content. Thank you for watching. This has been Adam with Dragonlance Saga, and until next time, remember... I'll pack my tears away for today. The gods know that they'll be here tomorrow. As for the aching in my heart, it will be here always.